Welcome to the Next Cloud Podcast. Let's talk about digital sovereignty. Welcome back to the Next Cloud Podcast. This is the 10th edition and uh, and it's quite a big deal for digital sovereignty um, to be able to edit office formats and today I'm talking to Michael Meeks. He is responsible for the Collabora Productivity Division. Uh, yeah. Hi, Michael. Hi, Ingo. Pleasure to be here. Yeah. Fantastic. Pleasure having you um, because I really think that's, uh, that's an interesting topic. Office uh, products, um, everyone is using it all day. And it's also usable in Nextcloud as well. <laughs> um, yes. But maybe you could talk. Uh, what what is what are you doing at Collabora? Sure. So obviously we make this this fantastic collaborative editing uh, product for for editing your documents with uh, other people, and you know obviously we we put that into uh, to Nextcloud in a beautiful way. But I, I get to lead the uh, Collabora productivity team, I suppose, which which is a, a division of Collabora. Um, we 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 were spun out really from uh, Sousa some time ago, Zuza, I should say, more correctly. Uh, and uh, yeah, no, just a, a great company there. But I think at some stage, Zuza realized that, um, you know, an office suite uh, that runs on, you know, Android and iOS and, you know, it's, it's targeting a very different um, set of set of places that they wanted to go to, you know, infrastructure, software, services, and so on. And so... Yeah, and so well, they they came to me, and I, I was a distinguished engineer at Sousa, and I, I ran the um, well, I was <laughs> notionally responsible for some chunk of the desktop uh, desktop stuff. So I, I was you know very pleased to be involved with uh, GNOME and uh, KDE. Partly was in, in my purview there, and trying to get people to work together and all, all, all sorts of good things. Anyway, but but obviously, a LibreOffice became our passion. I mean, Sousa was a, a key founder of the LibreOffice project, and. Um, you know, put a big team behind that and help mentor and create it. And at a certain point, it became clear that this was not their business direction. And I think lots of lots of companies at that point, I, I mean, I think it's firstly, it's a really good thing to decide what you're not going to do as a company. I think, you know, and, and we see this actually across the industry, you know, trying to do, uh, you know, too much can, can sometimes be a, a mistake. Anyway, so since so, so decided they're getting rid of us and they came to me and asked me, well, what should we do with it? And... Um, Yeah, I mean, it seemed clear to me that we had lots of friends out there in the community, loads of, you know, excited people around LibreOffice. And to pull the plug there would be, you know, be a real shame for, for Sousa and their brand, but also for the product and the project and, you know, all these things. And so I said, well, hey, why don't you uh, spin it out to uh, Calabra? And or they said, great. And they are very, very helpful. And they, they made that work really nicely and, and gave us, um, you know, the seed contractual... Uh, you know, funding to to get Calabra off the ground, and that was seven, eight, eight years ago, 2013, something like that. So exciting times. A, a new home, and and you took the whole team with you. So there was ah. a team uh, working for Sousa, and now it's the same team at Collabora. Or so I wish I could have taken the whole team. I took uh, maybe half the team, something like that. But uh, since I had to sort of mortgage my house and uh, you know all, all of this good stuff to uh, to do it, I couldn't afford to take everyone. Um, But there's some really good guys we had to leave behind, and that was a great shame. But yeah, broadly we we took uh, lots of people, and now of course we've we've hired and grown. Um, yeah, not from Caesar, obviously it's important we protect their their people. But we've we've grown now 30, 30 some people, 
um, just dedicated to uh, LibreOffice and of course now Calabria Online, uh, you know, this online collaborative editing version of that that we, we put inside. So yeah, exciting, exciting growth. And uh, yeah, continue to grow. And why uh, you choose Collabora or Collabora choose you? I don't know. I mean, they, they did stuff, but not office stuff. Uh, and now um, Collabora productivity is a subsidiary from Collabora. Yeah, absolutely. Good question. So, I mean, Collabora has, I think, first of all, it's got a mission that is really aligned with what, what my team wanted to do. So, so it's fundamentally about making open source rock. You know, it is an open source focused consultancy, Calabra, the parent company. And so it's quite it's quite interesting, actually, because it, it does work for, you know, like all of the big hardware majors. You know, if you're Intel, if you're AMD, if you're ARM, you know, and, and whole suites of people making graphics chips and this sort of thing underneath. We work with all of these chip vendors um, and we love to drive open source into products. So we, we make it possible for people who, you know, want to create the next, I don't know, car or whatever it is to actually use Linux. We write the device drivers for medical devices and so on. You know, so the machine that goes ping uh, beside you in the hospital, uh, very important, um, is running Linux. You know, that's, that's, that's key, a key deliverable there um, as it goes ping. And, and I think that, that's just a real accelerator of the open source uh, or free software adoption uh, around the world. And so I think there's just a brilliant alignment of vision there. And of course, the people too. So I knew Rob McQueen, uh, you know, I live near Cambridge. He was a, a director there and Philippe Calaf. And so, you know, they were friends. Uh, I knew them well. I trusted them. I'm happy to get into business with them. And so, yeah, just it's a really nice soft landing then for the team. And we were so blessed by some of our large customers that came across from SUSE to, to Calab Productivity. And yeah, it was... Uh, so it just made, made, made sense then? Yeah, completely. It's been profitable. But it, it, it's wonderful then to see some of those, you know, those old friendships that You know, I never in my wildest dreams thought that the people that I made friends with today would be the people who, you know, help me set up business tomorrow or, or you know, make, made all that work. And I guess the same is true of Nextcloud. So, I mean, Jos, I forget if I interviewed Jos for the community manager position at OpenSUSE. I, 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 there was certainly a team doing that. And uh, so worked with him at OpenSUSE very happily. And Frank, of course, was a key, key member of the community there and a great guy. And then they founded their company and then we split around. But, but it's all, yeah. Uh, these are people that we've known for a long time and love working with. So it's just, it's great to be able to do that, you know, today as well. Yeah. So it's also history there, knowing the guys uh, from, from Nextcloud. Um, is this also the point where you said, okay, um, Nextcloud is, is thriving. Um, let's do something together. Sure. So, I mean, I think as soon as we, um, as soon as we started, the company Calabra, we thought, well, now we can actually do broadly what we want to do to some degree. So, you know, that, that brings a whole load of responsibility. Um, but years ago, I think uh, when we founded uh, LibreOffice, one of the first things that I did with SUSE was to build a prototype of an online office suite, actually using a thing called GTK Broadway, created by Red Hat, Alexander Larson. And that then allowed you to run your GTK apps in a browser. Um, now that was a great demo. Uh, but it never really got there, you know? And uh, finally, we, we actually had, had people that we had time, we had customers, we could pitch to and there's a customer called Icewarp that really helped invest in the first round there alongside Calabra to do, uh, you know, to, to bring this to the web. And that was really exciting. And so as we started to build that, it was obvious that we would want to work with, uh, you know, Enterprise File Sync and Share. And we reached out to Frank and the rest, I guess, is, uh, you know, is history. And of course, 
Uh, it turns out that Frank actually wrote the, the, the foundation of our integration into Nextcloud, which is called Rich Documents, uh, for, for historic reasons. And used to be a, a relatively simple web ODF rich document editor for, for, for word processing files. But now, of course, there's so much more. And uh, so, yeah, so Frank's name's all over the, uh, you know, the, the source code. And we continue to uh, you know, enjoy working together with his team, really. So, uh, yeah, Julius particularly maintains that, Julius Hartle. So you're not all, <clears throat> you're not just running the uh, Collabora productivity, you're just uh, also programming. So you're coding yourself? Well... <laughs> you know, I think what I really love to do is to program. I mean, you know, it's just, it's just, a, I think it's, it's quite thrilling to, uh, our IT industry is full of interesting technical challenges, you know, it, it really is. Um, and, uh, you know, if it's not programming, um, then, well, I don't know. I, I, ultimately now I have to try and manage people, which is cool. We have a, just a great team and they make it easy to do. Uh, which is good, but also, you know, consider marketing and sales and business strategy and, you know, and, and listening to customers a lot, of course, too. I mean, I read every customer ticket that comes in. Um, I, I product manage uh, the product, try and work out, you know, where the, what we should be doing, you know, where we should be going and so on. And so, unfortunately, the time I have for programming is rather limited, uh, but I still try and interfere in an annoying way with my developers from time to time. But, uh, yeah, bro broadly, it's, uh, yeah. Not yeah, so much time anymore. Yeah, it's a it? shame. You know, if only life was three times as long and days. <laughs> were, you know, I don't know. <laughs> uh, okay, okay, gotcha. Um, so let's maybe focus on on the product uh, you're having. So um, there was LibreOffice. You took LibreOffice as a desktop product and supported it, and now, so there are the first customers I think there. And now you have a new product, a new product as well. That's the online cloud thingy. Sure. So Collabor Online, yes. It's a separate project and it sits on GitHub. And uh, we have a community built around it, much like the next cloud community, I guess. Um, one of the interesting things about Collabor Online is, is it's relatively thin in terms of the bulk of the work is in the LibreOffice core, which we reuse. So there's something like 98% of the code is there. I mean, it's a lot of code. And because the office space is quite big and complicated and, and tangled, and there's a lot of, lot of history there. So we really need to reuse code rather than trying to rewrite 8 million lines of code, something like that, in a modern trendy web language like JavaScript. Uh, we think it's better to run that on a server and you know, run it on your premise so you can control it. You can control your CPU network and actually your document data. So your documents actually never leave your server room except as pixels, or you can you can configure it like that. So you can lock down downloading, and actually you can even watermark your pixels. Maybe we'll talk about that in a bit later. But so so it's great to be able to reuse that LibreOffice core, um, and then put this bit around it, because really the best line of code you write, you know, ever is the one you didn't have to write. It's just much better to reuse code than it is to rewrite it, and this idea that you can JIT and execute efficiently, say, 8 million lines of JavaScript on your mobile phone. It's just a lunacy. I mean, it's, it's, just, it's just ridiculous, isn't it? Let's face it. I mean, you know, the thing has, you know, doesn't have that much memory. Uh, typically, you know, they have these high clock speeds as headline clocks on, on these, these phones, and that's great, but their caches are tiny. And so when it comes to doing something complicated that's heavily branchy, like, you know, parsing and compiling JavaScript, often they can, can really struggle. And just that volume, the volume of the problem space is something that 
is sort of underappreciated with office documents. You know, it's really a big, it's a big thing, you know. And, and so you look at the open XML spec, for example, and I was involved in standardizing that on the technical committee. And it's, you know, maybe all of these thousands of uh, pages and so on. Um, you can truck it about from place to place, but uh, it, it's still not complete. I mean, it's, it's a shadow of what's actually needed to do a, to do a full job there, uh, despite the hard work we put in. So, yeah. I don't know if that helps, uh, but that, that, that I think is a, you know, pretty much why we, we built on the LibreOffice space, to get something rich uh, to market that's, that's quickly there, that works well in your browser. And also that's, you know, anytime someone adds a feature to LibreOffice, you know, that's, that's useful, like an interoperability thing, uh, you know, kind of some new, new dodge it, it's, it's really easy uh, to get that then into Collaborate Online. And much of it is already just, just there as we, as we update the newer versions. So that's really cool. So the underlining uh, core parts are the same in LibreOffice Online than than in LibreOffice. Definitely, yeah, yeah. So I, you know, pixel identical rendering, we'd hope, yeah. And all you're doing is still open source, right? Absolutely. So all of our code is free software, open source, uh, however you like to call it. We love to have people involved. Uh, do get stuck in. There's, uh, we have open uh, meetings that you can come to and. Tell us your, well, actually, they're, they're really primarily development meetings. But if you're deeply upset about something, come and tell the developers for a bit. Uh, so we have those on uh, Jitsi every uh, week um, on Thursdays. I think that's uh, 11 a.m. UK time. And yeah, that's really fun. So it's great to see people from the community come and the things they're doing. And, you know, there's lots of really good contributions. You know, we have, have things from... Andreas Kynes, Rizmat, you know, it's sort of improving the UI, uh, tweaking things, making it look more beautiful and rich and, and compelling. And I think that's really, that's really great. And of course, features in the core. There's lots of core features in LibreOffice that we just can bring quite easily to Collabor Online. So it's quite fulfilling, you know, because you don't have to go and write the, you know, the core implementation of multi-language search, regular expression parsing or something, you know, like it's all done. You just need to provide the UI elements to make that, that work. So I think there's quite a lot of interest there from the UI community. Okay, so um, there is LibreOffice Online, which is the open source part. And on top of that, you build uh, the Collabora Online. So it used to be like that. But um, what, one of the things that's important to us really is, is protecting our brand and making sure it's clear where the software comes from. So there used to be a project called LibreOffice Online. It's currently paused and suspended. I think everybody that was working on the code came to the Collabor Online project now, which is hosted at GitHub. So the open source version is what we call code, Collabor Online Development Edition or something like that. It's, it's like the fedora of, of, of Collabor Online, which is like the OpenSUSE or Red Hat Enterprise, uh, uh, sorry, the, the SLES or RHEL type thing. So, so yeah, we have an enterprise version, but again, that's all open source as well. So, you know, if you want to, you can compile that out of the box. We have a bit of theming and branding that's um, open, but proprietary, I guess. That's our, <laughs> that's our uh, extra there. Um, but we ship that, of course, for free to everyone as, as part of code and um, collaborate online. And as a user, I can use code um, to host my own um, LibreOffice online. Things and just use it and don't have to pay Colorful for using it. Absolutely, that's the case. 
And we provide binaries and Docker images and all, all sorts of good things to help you do that across Raspberry Pis and Intel, yeah, all, all sorts of things. You know, like it's uh, it's there's this whole wealth of stuff there. And with Cade, of course, you're getting the very latest, greatest thing as well. So you're not, you know, you're testing and trying and providing feedback on on the very latest feature functionality, which is really kind of cool. If I want to use it in, yeah. Uh, on my, you, you just said Raspberry Pi or computer or in the server. I don't know what what do I have to do. Uh, do I have to install Docker? Uh, do I have to use I don't know packages from my Debian or Fedora or whatever? Or how <laughs> do, how is this working? Sure. So <clears throat> there's basically two answers to that question. Um, so so let me try and give the the, the first one. So, so the first one is that the best way to deploy it is to download the Docker images, install the packages on your Debian or whatever that you can find at our, our code page. And that's that's going to give you the highest performance, uh, best uh, best result. And there's also documentation there on how to uh, set that up and, and do it. But lots of people wanted to just give it a try without going through all of this this. Uh, You know what is Docker? How do I do it? You know, and so how do we how do we cater to those who uh, struggle to understand what a package is and have yet managed to install Nextcloud? I mean, Nextcloud is really easy easy to install, of course, because you you can kind of just unzip it in in your web server directory, you know, on your randomly hosted server. So we wanted to provide something a bit like that. So we have um, app image builds. And actually, you can just install these through the Nextcloud App Store. So you can go to the Nextcloud App Store and you can click on um, this. And it's somewhat larger, obviously. We need to download that. You know, it's a couple hundred meg of fonts and uh, you know uh, bits of this and that that we have to uh, to get onto your system. And then essentially, we run that from PHP in the background. So it turns out that <clears throat> PHP allows you to spawn processes and just not lifecycle manage them. Because um, one of the initial problems is that we really need a WebSocket, a long-lived connection mechanism. So your document lives in the background, and you talk to it through this WebSocket, and then when you save it, it goes away again. And PHP is not set up for this. PHP is set up for a slurp some data from the client, do some work, and send it back again. So you simply can't have WebSockets in a PHP web server. So this is a problem. So we, we, we wrote our own kind of WebSocket-alike thing uh, with a very small PHP script that will dump that locally to, uh, to this app image running uh, behind your PHP uh, web server. And that's pretty nice. So you can, you can give it a try. Uh, be aware that performance is not as great as it could be. Uh, so it's, it's really worth having the native thing. But as a, as a get something running and try it out, that's, that's a really great way to go. Okay. So this is the easiest way, and if I think, okay, that's that's really nice. It's okay. It's not maybe it could be faster, but that's uh, an application I would like to use with my team, or I don't know. Um, then I should use the Docker thing, or then Definitely. I should use uh, the the pa packages from from <coughs> my distribution, or <laughs> both, or <laughs> what's the, what's the fastest? Yes, of course. So I think there are, you know, the religious wars can start over Docker versus not Docker versus this and that. I, I actually uh, don't mind. You, you do what you like, knock yourself out. Um, but I, yeah, so, so we provide all of the above. We also provide it on Univention. So you've got like a Univention, well, there's a virtual machine you can download for them with it included. 
Um, and then there's also easy to install packages and you can even buy it, buy support through their app store there, which is kind of cool. Um, so yeah, we're trying to, trying to make it easy for people to get. Uh, personally, I'm a bit of a package guy because I, I, I don't know. We have our own containment system built in, uh, which I guess is, well, is stricter than Docker um, for security reasons. And we filter all the system calls with a, a Berkeley packet filter to make sure that nothing unusual is going on. So it's like, we already have a container system for each document built into Collab Online. And we already have like an, you know, app. Uh, what is that thing that Susan bought? That what tracks all of your system calls? Uh, yeah, App Armor. So we already have like a kind of App ah, Armor yeah, thing yeah, wrapped yeah, around okay. ourselves anyway. Um, so yeah, you know, I don't know. It's, you can stack up as many virtualization layers and containment systems as you'd like underneath if you really want. Um, but I'd feel pretty confident having us on your bare metal as well. Okay. Um, and if I use Docker or all the uh, packages, um, then I have to install in my next cloud uh, an app that's connecting to to this server. That, that's absolutely right. So <clears throat> Calabro Online, you can think of as perhaps the biggest microservice you're ever going to see. You know, like it, it's really not a not a very small microservice. And so essentially it's, it's stateless when you don't have a document open. So we store all of our data back into Nextcloud, back into your existing object store. We integrate with Nextcloud's authentication um, mechanisms uh, entirely. And so, you know, it's extremely easy to deploy. There's just, you know, this, there's this image running and then there's a plugin into Nextcloud, I think mentioned before, rich documents, uh, what it's called Calabra on, online, of course, when you install it in the app store. And that then just connects connects to us. And we, we run the iframe inside the, you know, the, the your, your browser as you edit. And so uh, we save it back to Nextcloud regularly uh, to make sure you don't lose anything. If, you know, if some truck drives through the power cable as they do or, or whatever it is, you know. Um, so yeah, yeah it's, it's, kind, it's kind of nice. And that means that, you know, there are lots of things in life that seem very easy, um, like authentication. How hard can that be? Or storage. <laughs> You know, that, that should be easy to store data, of course. Um, <clears throat> but we try and avoid all of that. You know, like we, we, we really want, we want to do, try and do one thing well, um, which is, you know, document editing, collaboration, uh, you know, and interoperability, get, making sure your data is looking beautiful and, and coming to you as literally. So we leave the difficult stuff there next cloud. To <laughs> okay. Um so the data is stored in my next cloud. Uh, if I use is with the next cloud integration, everything is fine. How is it uh, security wise? Um, do I have to check something? Do I have to, I don't know, build a firewall around Collabora online or or my my next cloud uh, to do be safe? <laughs> so. You're very welcome to do all sorts of things if you like. You know, healthy paranoia is is, is probably good. Um, but I think in, in this case, you know, we do quite a lot of that for you. So, so I mean, I think I I think I like to think of security as an onion. You know, like uh, lots of different layers around it. And uh, you know, we work quite hard with my document foundation, LibreOffice hat on, and to make LibreOffice as secure as we can be. So, so at the center of the core there that the biggest exposed surface is this complicated office suite. And, and so, you know, in this 35 years of code, you know, to try and interpret and render and do a good job of that. And so we do a huge amount of work there. We do 
you know, static checking, we do uh, CPP checking, we do all kinds of linting. We've written loads of Clang plugins that check for bad bits of code. You know, I forget, 50, 100 Clang plugins. So, so we're not just writing in C++, it's some kind of enlarged sphere of safer C++ that LibreOffice is written in. Um, and then we have crash testing. So we load and save all of our bug documents and every other bug document we can find from the internet in, in the ODF and ODT formats and docx and doc and all of those binary formats. And so we load about 100,000 of those and then we save them in all of our different formats we support. We load them again to see if we can find some badness. And we do that using these checkers. So there's a single ASAN and UBSAN that look for undefined behavior and uh, that look for memory problems. Um, and so we run our 100,000 uh, documents through that and it, it passes. And then we also use a thing called OSS Fuzz, which is Google's uh, open sourced fuzzing program. So Red Hat do a lot of this work actually. And because you know it's burdensome doing updates, isn't it? Much better if the software doesn't need updating for security vulnerabilities because it's all good. Um, and so OSS Fuzz has a cluster of uh, like 4,000 machines doing evolutionary um, algorithmic crash testing. And this is actually extraordinarily cool. I mean, like just a totally aside from Nextcloud, but so, so recently we turned on, I say recently, like a couple of years ago, we turned on our calc um, filter and calc has a, its own HTML parser for some kinds of copy and paste. And we hadn't tested it and we turned it on. And within a little while, it found a crash which you know, is a bad thing to have. You know, it could be a security bug. Um, but these, these fuzzers, you know, AFL and libfuzz in Cycland, don't just find arbitrarily horrible documents that crash your code by watching the paths, watching all the branches in the code that are taken and making sure they're all colored in you know, to, to, to get to the end. They don't just do that. They will also do the opposite. So having found the crash in some horrible program, they will minimize that document down to the you know, 111 characters that are the minimal HTML document that crashes your thing. And so what pops out of it is not, oh, you've got a bug, here's a nightmare. It's like, here is the most optimal document we can possibly evolve that goes the most direct path through your code, through the filters, through the minimum branches to crash, bang, there. And it's, it's quite surprising. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of CPU time gone into it. But from a QA perspective, this is an amazing, amazing tool. It gives you not only the, you know, the quickest way there, but the unit test as well. So it never comes back, you know, like you have this document. So that's, it's a very beautiful thing. And we're still just at the middle of the onion, you know, so, so, so like, but with the best will in the world and all of these things there, uh, we don't really trust the code fully. Like, I mean, you know, so, so I think it's better to, um, so we isolate each document goes into its own jail, like it's a CH root. Um, so it, and its own process. So there's no memory sharing, well, you know, no writable memory sharing between multiple documents. It goes into its own process. And in that jail, we have no shell. Uh, there's no real executable data. It's like, really, there's nothing in there. So if you can break out, you, yeah, there's not much you can do. And we watch all of the system calls from that as well, as I mentioned with the Berkeley packet filter to try and make sure that nothing unusual is, is going on inside there. Um, and so, you know, we're relatively confident that if you've got a bad document that can do something to our code, well, you know, it's, it's very rare that you would. And, and if you can get out, there's nothing to get. And, you know, and we're, we're out to get you if you're, if you're in there too. So 
I'm sure people can can bust out in some in incredibly nation level uh, assault somehow. But you know, we're trying pretty hard. You know, it's it, yeah. so so. I don't think you need to be too paranoid as an admin about your documents uh, escaping or, or bad actors injecting scary documents. And partly because of that, we allow then people to turn macros on as well. So like as an admin, you can choose to allow your old Visual Basic macros to be brought across and run in this highly lockdown environment. Far safer than on any PC, any Windows PC you could run. You know, I mean, it really yeah. is. Uh, <laughs> Uh, what could uh, possibly go wrong with well uh, indeed yeah so it's off by default you'll be pleased to know but <laughs> but uh, you can turn it on and uh, so yeah uh, and that's useful because lots of silly bits of business process end up being inside you know a spreadsheet with you know hundreds of lines of, of VBA around it and we can you know help bring those into the modern world of digital sovereignty and freedom you know so <laughs> so these this uh, Visual Basic scripts are really running now fully, or is there, you say, okay, to to certain degree, or is it really? Yeah, yeah. So, so I mean, our, our latest release six four eight just came out, and uh, actually it was in six four seven, I think. So, so yeah, you can you can enable that in the settings if you if you want to enable it, and you can allow the user to choose whether to turn it on or or. Um, or not, I think, uh, out of the box. And yeah, so you, so you can run little, little formulae, uh, you know, people create formulae and do do all sorts of funny things for those those difficult things that aren't easy to uh, write Excel uh, formulae for, for example. We're doing some more work to connect up a whole load of those form controls and buttons and uh, things. I think that my, my hope is that'll be in 649, which is coming in uh, some well, under a month. Uh, so, so that'll make that even richer and, and easier to write little Little applications with that. It, it, you know, I, I don't want to recommend people write applications in Visual Basic, you know. <laughs> But on the other hand, you know, have you tried using JavaScript? You know, like, I, I don't know, you know. Um, it's, uh, it's a pretty horrible language, honestly. So uh, who knows? Yeah. Uh, there's always some bad idea somewhere that someone has had that they want to work. Well, we make them work. So. Some people <laughs> also don't like PHP, so no, no offense there for me. Yeah, for me. yeah. I think I think JavaScript they combines a number of the worst patterns in the world. You know, so so like no types, fine. You know, no compile time checking, no object orientation. Really, it's kind of nailed onto the language later. Uh, you know, everything in a global variable, which is like the DOM is the giant global variable to end all global variables. You know. And so when you have all of these type unsafe bits of code, oh, uh, you know, upgrading stuff with Node.js, you know, pulling random bits of new JavaScript in that are all sort of interacting via this global state and duct typing each other and overriding. And, oh, well, you know, it's so easy to create a mess. It's unbelievable. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, oh, well, never mind. It'll all, it all seems to work most of the time. So, so that's all good, you know. You don't like JavaScript at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's I a great met. tool. It's a great tool. Let's face it. You know, it's it's there. It's in the browser. It makes deployment yeah. easy. Yeah. You know, it's um, it's 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 there. It's not going away. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, you can do amazing things with it, which is why everyone everyone's using it, I suppose. But you know, I always I can't help but thinking something better. Oh, so we use TypeScript where we can, um, and then we compile down to JavaScript. Uh, because that gives you more control and more checking and, and more more reliability, I think, and that makes it easy to understand. So, so in part, we're using TypeScript. Mm -hmm. 
So what are the new features in, in the new version from uh, Collabora Online? Sure. So I think there's a whole load of things that we've done in the recent past. Um, so uh, there's the notebook bar, which um, so, so previously we had a very uh, a UI that would be familiar to Google Docs uh, users. And I think actually that's still the default in, in Nextcloud. So with um, file and, and... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. A menu and a toolbar is the, the punchline. Um, and, you know, people are very happy with that. That's, that works very nicely. So time to break it. Uh, <laughs> so they do you know. <laughs> it for 30 years. So yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, well. More, more so, than, more than 50 years. I yeah, know, I, I know. But the powers that be in our industry have decided that they should train our users in a different way of doing things. Uh, and we call that the notebook bar. So it's sort of like a tabbed notebook with palettes of tools. And you can switch through those. And, you know, it works really well, too. I mean, it's great for learnability, I think. Um, and actually, I think one of the things that UX designers often forget is how important it is to preserve that muscle memory and, you know, the investment the user has in, in learning something. And so you can make something new that's really easy to learn, but lots of people don't want to learn it. Let's face it. I mean, you know. Like the older you get, the less you want to learn new things. Absolutely. Absolutely. So either way, but but I think the same thing is true for people coming from the, the, the Microsoft world. And so we want, well, of course, we want to get people from everywhere. I mean, people have used Google Docs and people have used Microsoft Office and they should be using, you know, Nextcloud and Collabor Online, obviously. So, we so we've that. built a new <laughs> user interface. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So we've built a new user interface that, that looks much more familiar to those people called the Notebook Bar. And that shipped in um, 6.4. And uh, it's, it's, it's very compelling. We're improving that. Uh, left and right. Um, other things would be PDF search uh, and uh, commenting so that you can you can collaborate around PDFs. Um, people like to see that as kind of a read-only record of, you know, uh, of stuff, but, but it's nice to be able to share that with people and then get feedback on on your, your latest version. So you can't edit it, you can't mash it about, but you can comment on it. Okay, so I can't import a PDF, sure. but, but not edit it directly, but... but uh... Yeah, signs on it, or, or I don't know, a signature. Is this also possible? I think this that's that a thing everybody wants. Just open a PDF, put your own signature uh, under it, uh, uh, send it away again. Yes, indeed. DocuSign seems to have made a fortune from people like me who sign a lot of pieces of paper. Um, so no, digital signing is something that is all there in the LibreOffice core, but we don't bring to online yet. So I, you know, I'd love to hear from our customers, partners, anyone listening to this who. Who really needs that? Anyone that wants to wave checks in front of me? It's something that we could do okay. quite easily. F found it. Yeah. That, that the <laughs> feature will be in there some someday. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I think that's certainly something we want to do. Um, we do have Draw now. So so Draw is a, a component doing, uh, you know, font work and connectors and glue points and diagrams, um, which is kind of cool. Um, so, so, yeah, encouraging to see that uh, finally landing. Uh, in, in Calc, we have now freeze panes, uh, so it's much easier to see you know, bigger spreadsheets and move around them, uh, edit them. Various statistics tools, naming, you know, talking about the Visual Basic stuff, uh, all, all sorts of uh, good things that um, yeah, they've come in recently, uh, and some some user experience stuff. So, so I think the big thing in our six four X series that we've been releasing sort of every month or so with new features and you know new uh, improvements of various kinds is is improving the rendering quality. So we've done a lot to cope with browsers that have weird zoom levels. So previously we would interpolate 
um, the pixels from the server, and that just sucks. I mean, it makes the text look blurry, and you don't want that. You want crisp text that's easy to look at. Um, so we've done a lot there to improve rendering. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Catchy. Which, which is good. <laughs> crispy, crispy, crunchy. Yeah, so that's all good. And um, we've we've uh, also then done some a whole lot of... Uh, well, we're continuing to do a whole lot of performance work there to improve... Uh, you know, rendering and responsive, just to get the feel of it feeling just much more native and, and, and so on. And that works ongoing. Um, actually, one of the nice things we have uh, in, in 6.4 is, is logging of client errors back to the server. So, so you know, if your JavaScript explodes on, on the client side or does something silly, you know, it's, it's, then, then we can actually get that back into the server side log. So you can see, uh, you can start to say, oh, under Internet Explorer 11, I have a problem when they do <laughs> no, 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 this. No. <laughs> IE 11, yeah, I know. I mentioned this just to cheer you up, but we, we still support IE 11. Uh, and I think oh my God. Our next, I know, our next major release will drop that uh, for, for good reason, as you can see. Um, and yeah, I guess the, the uh, WebKit people have, have finally you know, made yeah, all, all software testing turn into basically what, what, what runs on WebKit, you know. Uh, so... All of the browsers going that way, apart from Mozilla, of course. Uh, but so, so yeah, it'd be just nice to not have IE eleven, and we can use much better JavaScript then. So, hmm. How do I get the logs to to the developers? I mean, f is there a feedback mechanism in? in yeah, sure. So I mean, if you find a bug, we'd love to have a bug reports uh, filed. So you just go to GitHub. Uh, you can uh, you know attach files there, dump dump the logs. Um, the logs typically go to the journal in, in modern Linux systems, so you can suck them out of there. Uh, one thing to bear in mind is that if you turn logging up to a massively high level, uh, there's quite a significant performance impact. You know, if, if you're wondering why your application is crawling and we're logging yeah. <laughs> every byte of network data and so on to your log, yeah, you might want to uh, yeah, just turn that down a bit to, uh, you know, warnings or, or critical or something. Um, and, Yes, I think now we, we output an error saying your log level is extremely high. You know, don't expect this to perform because we did have kind of confused customers, uh, which is which is a shame. So uh, yeah, we now have a nice error that helps you remember this uh, before we go into production. But yeah, so, so just grab the log fragments, paste them into the bug, um, clear steps of what it is, and, and you know we're, we're interested in having a look and seeing seeing how we can help make it better. Obviously, or good. Oh. But performance-wise, we can do the same thing. So, so, so we also, you know, have instrumentation in our LibreOffice kit in our jail, and we have it in our core, and we can get that in the JavaScript. We're just currently writing JavaScript profiling stuff, so we can bring this whole single picture of everything that's going on across the network in the clients and, and reconcile that later and see see how we can make things better end-to-end, uh, -end, which is I'm excited about. I don't know. Uh, occasionally, I program when I've been programming this weekend, so uh, you know, on, on making all of this better. So it's great. But there is no uh, automatic uh, feedback tool built into uh, Collabora Online. So we're working on that. Actually, I think it's really important. We want to do, you know, we want to get people's feedback and users' feedback and do sentiment analysis and track that and, you know, just iterate more quickly and get more unstructured feedback. So you don't need a GitHub account or you don't need, to, you know, send an email or anything. We can just type it into the, the software itself. And uh, so we're working on that. I forget what the progress is, but soon we should have that. And uh, of course, the client doesn't itself have access to all the logs because that would be madness because you can uh, get other people's you know, data out of that. But yeah, making it easier to file, uh, file reports would be good. Um, yeah, definitely. 
good, good, good idea, Ingo. Thank you. We should. Uh, you know. <laughs> But, but, you know, many of our users, particularly in, in the large, larger paying users, are, are relatively competent, let's say. They, they, can, they can deploy, a, you know, Docker images and a Kubernetes and an Apache proxy. And, a, and so, you know, sending a few lines out of a journal. It's, to, it's no problem. Yeah, yeah it's, <laughs> I it's, think it's, so. Yeah. But, yeah. but more, more and more tools are doing sometimes in the background, but uh, sometimes also really visible here it crashed please send us the feedback to the developer this is the stack trace just click on email us or something like that yeah yeah that, that, that's really useful and we should definitely do that but uh, yeah i mean see so, so we have a whole lot of prometheus stuff for, for polling and integrating with monitoring systems um which is kind of nice and that does track the number of crashes you have our numbers tend to be lowish <laughs> you know uh, but yeah Yeah, we should we should make that easier so we can improve the corner cases, of course. Is there, I don't know, an IRC Slack uh, chat where I can go and talk to the developers? Absolutely. So uh, on IRC, we're on Freenode, and there is a hash cool minus dev. Calabra line is cool, as everyone knows, and uh, cool dev is there. And it's also on Telegram. So we, we find, we bridge those two so you can chat on either If you look for uh, a Calabra on Telegram, you'll, you'll find us there. And uh, yeah, so so that's kind of good. It's just it's called Calabra Online, and you can uh, you know, jump in there, give us feedback, and we post you know details of when you know the the calls and be that you can join to get involved too. So kind of nice. Okay, maybe um, going back a little bit to the, the deployment part, um, we talked about. Um, Installing uh, Collabora online on, on the server, integrating it with a Nextcloud. So okay, I think that's that's cool for I don't know um, eight users, 20 users. Um, but but how is it if I have I don't know 20,000 users? Is it still scaling? Yeah, so it's, it's, it's a really good question. So so of course we integrate with Nextcloud Global Scale. Uh, so the answer is yes, of course, um, and we uh, we deploy this uh, quite widely um, to to people with you know well tens of millions of users. Um, now, of course, in terms of concurrent users, there's kind of two two limits there. So there's a limit on the number of concurrent users in one document, um, which I think you'll find is normal. Like Google Docs has a, has a limit there, and yet is in use by a very large number of people. So that's a very different limit from the number of people we can collaboratively have, concurrently have running different documents. So there's broadly no limit on the number of concurrent documents that you can have out there at all. Um, it's, it's limited by your network. And essentially, all of those users end up inside the same process address space. So there is a single document in this jail that is serving all of those users. And so that's fine. As long as you have a you know, reasonably powerful uh, machine, you can serve Loads of users. So I, my laptop here has eight threads. So we, we say you can have 80 concurrent users uh, running on that. Um, and hey, you know, my laptop's relatively inexpensive for 80 people. You, can, you could chop it into little bits and give them each a bit of it uh, without a problem. And that's, that's probably because, well, but then of course there are diversity factors. You know, how many, how many people are actually concurrently editing at any one time? And, and often it's quite small. Um, so we tend to find when you look at the hardware budget for a typical deployment, And you know, you're looking at your object store and you're looking at your web workers and your database nodes and so on. That Calabra Online is kind of the spare change. 
You know, like it's it's not it's not a huge a huge workload. And hey, I, you know, Nextcloud has just recently done loads of performance optimization work. You know, and you can choose. You know, one of two things: you could you could put even more users on Nextcloud, and that that's always a good thing to do. Or you could you know dedicate some of that to Collaborate Online, and you know you, you just have a great great service with just the extra that you've won from uh, from the performance optimizations we've seen coming out of uh, Nextcloud. So yeah, I think I think from a hardware perspective, it's not a huge problem. And so, yeah, and so you can scale it really very nicely indeed, I would say. Uh, okay. So, uh, from, from large telcos to, to, yeah, companies at large, you know, institutions, university institutions with tens of thousands of students. Um, so so, so what's, what's your biggest or slightly biggest uh, customer having uh, at, at users? Uh, 20,000, 30,000, 100,000, I don't know. So, so not all of my users are uh, I can talk about. Uh, we have some very sure, large sure. joint users with Nextcloud, which are cool, um, and we, we we do that uh, together very very happily. Um, let, let me talk about one of them. We've actually got a case study for. So that's a Surfnet in Holland. I think that's something like forty five fifty thousand users, something like that. And I think that's like all of the administration staff across much of Holland's university system um, are using. Uh, using essentially collaborate online behind other scenes there, which is which is kind of cool, and yeah, as I say, you know, no significant scalability problems that we're aware of there. So, well, good stuff. <laughs> that's that's cool. Yeah, I, I I mean, for me, I just use it with I don't know, mostly eight people, sometimes just um, just two. But not more than ten people on one document. I think um, right. I don't know. I yeah. I think it's it's okay for for a, a calc. Maybe sometimes there are many people in it, but not everyone is really editing it. Most people right. are just viewing, mm -hmm. and then then it's okay. I think. I think that's a common use case. So, so I think if you look at, if you break down the use cases that collaborative editing is used for, and we've, we've done a bit of this, you know, I think a hugely common case is just knowing that you're editing the right document, you know, that you're not going to create a conflict, that there's not going to be some grisly email exchange of here's my document, there's yours, how can I... You know, version like, one, so, version two, version yeah, yeah, two, yeah, yeah, yeah. all this, X. all this rubbish. You know, you just you final, just final one, final two. Yeah, oh, God, it's too awful. Um, so, uh, so actually, a huge use case is is like ninety plus percent of the time, it's one person actually editing in in one document, but it is the real document. You know, and then I think at the other end of the extreme, we have uh, sort of well, um, we have sort of like conference calls. And so I'm routinely in conference calls of 20 people or so, and, and we would typically minute them at the same time interactively. So you're, you're building minutes of the call, and people are watching that like a hawk to make sure that what they said is recorded correctly. And, uh, you know, the, the terrible spelling of yours truly <laughs> is being corrected as, as we go. Yeah. And it, uh, I don't know how you cope with English spelling. I mean, German spelling is easy. You know, it's phonetic. But the English, what have they done? You know, it's madness. Uh, so, uh, okay. Sometimes. I know. I know. Total madness. I can't spell. So, uh, yeah, anyway, luckily we have spell checking built in. But um, anyway, so, uh, yeah, so that's, I think, then another use case where, where you've got lots of people uh, viewing and a few editing. And I think we handle both of those very, very nicely. So, no. I think there are use cases we can't cope with, you know, when you've got 25, 30 people concurrently hard, collaboratively editing in a document 
doing doing significant changes. We're still working to improve that, but I think it's a vanishingly rare uh, use case. So, yeah. And at we'll least, get that. Yeah. At least I haven't encountered it yet, but uh, hopefully I won't ever. So, <laughs> let's see. Um, there is Collabora Online um, integrated in Nextcloud, but there is also an other product from an other um, company called OnlyOffice. Oh, And yes. uh, I think um, it's, yeah, some people don't know which when to use uh when is the one better when is the other better um oh. okay Clearly <laughs> you will say collabora is uh, is always the best but what are the technical differences between them yeah, can yeah, you yeah. maybe explain a little bit yeah 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 of course of course with great pleasure so so i think the first thing to say here is is around interoperability You know, I, I was on the uh, you know OpenXML standardization committee that, that created the DocX format uh, and XOSX and so on. And uh, you know, there are a number of ways that you can claim perfect interoperability. So, so for example, the copy command, you know, CP in your shell has perfect interoperability with OpenXML, 100%. You know, it, it doesn't understand any of it. It just sucks it in as bits and it shoves it out as bits. Brilliant. Uh, perfect round trip, right? Um, the problem comes that when you open the Pandora's box and you look inside, um, to some degree, if you're just doing a read-only document where you're just looking at it, you still don't need to do a perfect job of, of, of showing it. And you still, you know, it just doesn't actually matter whether you understand bits of it or not. But when it comes to editing, it really does matter that you, you know, that you actually have a very capable engine underneath. Uh, that understands, you know, copy protections or how to calculate formulae or, you know, th this kind of thing and is, is a full feature functional office suite that can do, you know, a really good job of interoperability. So I, I, the first thing to say is that I think, you know, Collabora Online has outstanding interoperability and it's got, you know, 35 years of work on this and it continues to improve, you know, substantially. Uh, so, and, you know, there's a very large team there across the industry doing this. You know, we have people in the Hungarian government, uh, you know, uh, improving interoperability. You have people at Red Hat fixing these things. We have a whole suite of, of companies around these for, for, for decades doing this work. And it continues to improve, but it, it's pretty outstanding. So I, first off, I think our interoperability is good, if not better, in the competition. Um, and of course, we, we also love open standards. So in addition to, you know, doing a huge amount of work on the, the proprietary Microsoft formats, you know, we have the open document format, which many people... Uh, you know, like is a sort of a much more open open standard uh, produced by Oasis. Um, but of course, we recognize that many people just want it to work and they want to load their old old documents. So I think that's really the tip of the tip of the spear for us. With so, Visual Basic or without? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, indeed, indeed. You know, we give the extra mile to, uh, to make your weird documents uh, work. So I think that's one thing to say. I think the other thing is that uh, security, and I, I talked a bit about Secure View uh, before, so, you know, you can provide permissions like, you know, read only or can't download or th this kind of thing to, to try and share a document with someone um, such that they can't get the actual document. They can interact with you. They can collaboratively edit. They can redline. They can do all these things, um, but they can't actually get the document. And so what, what Collabora Online does is it allows you to keep control of your documents in your data center if you, if you so choose. 
Um, and it just it never leaves your sight, as it were. Mm-hmm. Now, the, the competition, unfortunately, they, they, because of the way their model works, they render the documents on the client. And so they have to send a full copy of the document to your client. And then they can maybe render watermarks over the top of it, or they can do stuff. But you can press F12 in your browser and hack your JavaScript. And suddenly, you have the whole unwatermarked, unencrypted, uh, the, the whole document model. And that's also interesting because, of course, you know, the idea, you know, the elegance, I guess, of the Calabra model is that, you know, if you can provide computer games to people in a server farm somewhere over there and play a 3D first-person shooter on the internet, you should be able to provide an office document. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's my take. Okay, um, okay, okay. That's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, that, that would be the hope. I mean, they're not quite as, I mean, I like my documents, you know, they're, they're pretty exciting. But, uh, you know, if you're, if you're but so, so it seems to me that the ben- so, so there's a huge benefit to having one document there in the server rather than having like 10 documents, one in each person's own web browser, and then trying to synchronize these and keep them all in the same state. So, you know, in our model, when you hit save, your document is saved from the server. Fine. And actually, if your client crashes, if you, you know, shoot your laptop while it's editing, it doesn't matter. The document's on the server. If your mobile phone disconnects and runs out of battery because it's doing this stupid JavaScript jitting thing and it's, you know, it's chewing your whole battery up on the client and you haven't hit save, it doesn't matter. It's on the server. Um, so, you know, you don't have to choose which of these there are. You don't have to worry about message buses and documents getting out of sync and saving the wrong thing because there's just one. And it's, it's a very simple, clean, uh, elegant model. And I think that probably also ties into deployment as well. So um, OpenOffice is quite easy to grab an image of and run for one user. I think when you, when you get high availability and uh, deploying this in a, in a real enterprise setup, you know, you need a lot of other bits around it. So you need a Redis, you need a shared NFS filing system between all of these things. You need a RabbitMQ message bus that, that runs. And then, of course, you need a Postgres database. Uh, it has to be Postgres, I don't know. Uh, and, and so there are support deployment problems for all of this. And, you know, I'd like to hope that all of these things are also highly available because it's no use having your office suite highly available, but your message bus not being, you know, that, that would be really silly. So, so by the time you've got an HA Redis, HA RabbitMQ, an HA Postgres, shared NFS with, with HA and the thing, you've done quite a lot of work. And, and when one of them fails and needs rebooting, I don't know what order you do this in, but uh, probably there's an order. So, so I think Calabronline is extremely simple to deploy. You know, you can have all of these, uh, you know, separate uh, Docker images or uh, package, uh, packages running. And pull one of them down, and that's fine. You know, your load balancer will, will cope, and uh, there's no data stored in it anyway. And you know, as you as you friendly pull it down, it'll it'll save its documents back to Nextcloud, and so you can see where your data is, and you can control it in your data center, and life is good. That's my hope. Uh, if if only all things were so simple. You know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I need more computing power for uh, Collabora Online than. If it is in a client, uh, I don't know. We have um, much computing power in the laptop, but but for Collabora, it's on the server, so it's everything on the server. So I need more computing power there. That's the disadvantage, I would say. Yeah. Right? So I think that's partly true. 
I think you can look at how much that is. And as I say, it's compared to the, the cost of running Nextcloud and, and syncing and running those prop finds and, and doing, doing all of the, the good stuff you need anyway, it's not significant server hardware cost to provide that for your users. But when you come to loading a document on your mobile phone, um, instead of having to download the application logic, download the document, unzip it, you know, understand it, uh, render it and so on, uh, you know, you find b before any of these things happen, it's been rendered on the server and you can see it there. So like if you just look at the performance of, of you know, loading on your phone or, you know, your tablet and looking at it, anything that's non-trivial and even actually the trivial documents as well, uh, we can load and render quicker, less battery, less CPU um, and, and potentially less bandwidth. I mean, you don't need to download the whole thing, you know, so depends on your use case. So yeah, there's a, there's a great elegance there to to having a, a decent uh, server-side server rendering of it all. Um, we didn't talk about it yet, but there are also apps for iOS, Android, uh, and so on. Yeah. From your side? That's right. Yeah. yeah. So of course, they're all uh, open, open source, free software as well. And um, they're basically built around the same code. So, so as we built out Collabor Online, we realized that You know, we needed a responsive look so that it ran, runs nicely inside your web browser. And of course, it needs to run nice inside the Nextcloud app as well. So, so inside the Nextcloud app, you know, if you've got Collabor Online installed, you can tap on a document on your mobile phone and you'll get the mobile phone editing experience uh, inside that, that window and, and have a really good, good view of that. But sometimes, of course, you're offline, you know, and you've synced all your documents down to your phone with your local Nextcloud. And then you want to launch it. And so, yes, of course, we, we provide a fat client version of the same UI, essentially. And that then sort of combines the Collabor Online server part, uh, rather optimized and garbage collected and, and stuff, uh, with the JavaScript. And the same, so the same JavaScript will run uh, on your phone and provide then an application for iOS, uh, and provide for Android, and it provides for Chrome OS too. And so we have people using that you know, for classroom uh, stuff uh, and so on in, in various places. So yeah, so it's, it's kind of a beautiful We get lots of benefits, not only from sharing all of that LibreOffice code, but also sharing the UI, the responsive UI across all those different uh, factors, form factors as well. So for this uh, fat client, I don't need uh, Collabora online anywhere. Just sure, sure. Yeah, just download and, and play with it. You can grab it in your Android App Store or iOS App Store uh, right now. So yeah. And I guess the other side of that is that when you install it on, say, Chrome OS, Many uh, Chrome OS Android apps are really phone apps that have been kind of, you know, done something to. But we're really a desktop app that has been phoned. So when we go onto Chrome OS as an Android app, you know, you're getting really a full, uh, you know, office productivity suite uh, that, that really looks like one. So that's kind of cool. So we didn't talk about price tags yet. Ah, <laughs> yes, yes. So, okay, the apps uh, are... You don't have to pay for the apps, right? No, that's right. But, yeah. but uh, you don't have to pay for code. So for the uh, what what was it called? Community? No, uh, Collabora Online, Online Development Edition. The sure, Development sure, sure. Edition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah you yeah, don't yeah, have yeah. to pay for that. But if I want to use it with hundreds of people, if I want to have support from you guys, sure. then I have to pay you, <laughs> obviously, for the support. <laughs> Absolutely. What what do I have to pay? How is this going on? Um, I think there are also different modules. Um, getting it from Nextcloud, getting it directly from you. 
How is this? Sure, part? sure, sure. So obviously our very strong preference is that you get support for your next cloud server from Nextcloud or one of their partners, and you get support for Collabor Online from Nextcloud. Then you have a single supplier, okay. you have a single throat to choke, as they say. It's a very encouraging metaphor. Um, and, and so then that's very, very easy, smooth, smooth flow. And, and you can get quotes from Nextcloud. They have expert support engineers. Uh, we work with them all the time, supporting our customers. They're, they're great guys, you know, as well. And, you know, they, they, they speak a whole, whole range of languages to, to serve you. So strong preference is to go through the partner. Uh, we do sell direct, but you're not going to get a cheaper price. So, you know, <laughs> there's literally no point in that at all. And you, you probably, uh, you know, do better going the other way. Um, pricing wise, we have, we have something like, so in very low volume, we have something like 17 euros per user per year, um, which is, you know, is looking at like what one euro 25, something like that per, per user per month. And, uh, but of course, for, for education, we, we have discounts for people with, with large deployments that are obviously not in use all the time. Um, we have other ways of selling it. Um, there was one, one question earlier about our competition. So, so what we really prefer to do is have a fair price per user because we reckon that we know the number of users you have. Oh, of course, there are users outside the organization that you might want to collaborate with, and we don't charge for those. So they're, they're kind of free. Um, but our competition tends to price on a per connection basis. And it's very hard to know how many connections you need, you know? Uh, so, so how many people are going to actually use your service at peak time? Mm -hmm. And of course, you know, there's this opening in a new tab default mode that tends to increase the number of connections, you know? So, and then of course you're paying for people outside the company as well who collaborate and, and it just, it makes life a mess, a messy, un, uncertain place. So just much better to have a, a clean, uh, clear pricing model, we think, based on the number of users, and uh, you know, and, and talk to us about your use case. You know, see, see what, uh, how we can best uh, get get something that matches your budget. Um, we, we'd love to support you and, and apply that back into improving the product. I mean, the good thing is that Calabra really does have a mission statement that we didn't make up after the fact. You know, uh, you know, we are really here to serve free software and to employ people uh, to make open source better. So everything you put in goes back into paying people to make the product better really, uh, at the moment. So, so it's, it's kind of cool to, uh, to be able to help drive that feature uh, that you want, you know, get, get the product management input uh, that you'd like and to drive the product in your direction. So yeah, help us, help us to serve you by uh, making it possible. You know? so, uh, and, and you know, it's worth saying that actually nothing we do would be possible without our customers paying for something. You know, it's not like there is no magic money tree. There is no Mark Shuttleworth lurking in the background with, with, with <laughs> billions of dollars handing them out like candy. It's nothing like that at all. Yeah, uh, everything that and we also, do. this is going to end, yeah. <laughs> well, yes, you can question the sustainability of magic money trees. Um, yes. So, so, I mean, you know, the good news is that Calabra has quite a diverse customer base. Uh, you know, no one customer is, is a very large chunk of our revenue. And, and we just love to, to serve lots of different individuals and schools and businesses and governments and so on. And, and just make the software better for everyone. I think it's just a, it's a lovely way. It's a real privilege to be able to uh, fund the team. And, and it's all down to our customers. So thank you. If you're a customer and you're listening, thank you. You're doing something awesome. <laughs> 
for for the uh, desktop uh, LibreOffice, is there also uh, a version I could buy from you guys or uh, have to uh, have support from you? So yeah. if if I am a school or or sure. a, a large organization and say, okay, um, I'm using LibreOffice on all the desktops, um, that's also uh, possible. Definitely. Right? Definitely, yeah, of course. So, uh, you know, we're still some very large proportion of the commits to LibreOffice. I think it's about a third uh, of the commits upstream. Um, and we, we love to support uh, support LibreOffice deployments. So we, we have CollaborateOffice, which is essentially the back end of what we use. And that would then share the code. So it's exactly the same code that's used um, underneath Collaborate Online. And that's then available for, for sale and again through Nextcloud. So if you have a Nextcloud relationship, you can buy Collaborate Office uh, through that and get support uh, and tickets. Uh, and we, we have a whole load of products. You know, if you're desperate to get your ticket fixed quickly, we can get an engineer on it within a day or two days and, and have them working away. And you can prepay those. So you can buy, you know, you can buy a prepaid level three code fix uh, for a very reasonable price. Well, actually, it's quite <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> Engineering is quite expensive, it turns out. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. One of our community problems was that actually create, collab, creating Collabra Online was probably one and a half, two million euros into the investment at the moment, which is good fun. Um, but I think we had you know, these crowdfunding projects where you can sign up and offer to donate money to, uh, to implement these things. And I forget how many euros it was. I think it was maybe a hundred or maybe 500 euros, you know, given by, by a whole lot of people to implement this feature. And so when we, uh, when we got it, we, uh, we didn't know quite what to do with that. I think we donated it to some other, other projects, but, you know, engineering is, is quite expensive uh, when you have teams of, you know, large teams of people working to improve things. So, uh, yeah, I guess enterprise, enterprise users know that. And that's why we sell to them and not individuals. So, and we give a great service. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. I don't right. know. I, I just never uh, used your service before, so I can't <laughs> comment on that. <laughs> um, maybe the last question. So, with yeah, with the cloud and and with uh, Corona happening, uh, do you see uh, that the that there is a is a shift from this classic desktop? Uh, office suites to 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 the cloud or to yeah collabora online is there more yeah. people <clears throat> is there more support more sales do you see this yes so it, the the easy answer is yes okay. <laughs> <laughs> now um so so i think actually when you, when you look at uh, what's happened in the in the lockdown world i think there are a lot of decisions that have been made in haste I keep hearing about the Zoom product, which mm -hmm. is you know made by the Chinese mm -hmm. government, etc., yeah. being used left and right, and it makes me twitchy when I hear. It. I hope it's making other people feel twitchy as well. Um, and you know, I, I I'm sure lots of people have very rapidly deployed you know Google and, and Microsoft. My hope is that as they sit there and think about that, this they'll realize what a you know Mess there are better ways made. of doing. <laughs> there are better ways of protecting okay. their data. And their corporate secrets, and their, their technology, and their and their students' privacy, and so on. And so, my hope is that after the lockdown, there'll be a lot of upgrades to to Nextcloud and Collaborate Online. And but of course, we already see that. So yeah, during the pandemic, there's, there's been a significant uptick uh, in business there. And I think the other thing is that when you look at the you know say Microsoft Office, if you're using that, the online product is one big advert for the PC thick client. 
You know, every time you want to do something difficult, you can't. And you have to use the PC version. And uh, it's a great shame because actually, you know, Collabora Online can do many of those things for you without needing to deploy and manage and secure the PC version. And it can do it across all of your devices. You know, it's not just a Windows only. Perhaps you want to install Windows now and run Microsoft Office on it. And, you know, it's like, yeah, not, not convinced about that one, actually. You know, not, not fully sure about that. So, so, you know, we're really committed to making a full WYSIWYG editor. You know, um, what you see is what you get. Uh, actually works well uh, in your browser, interoperates, you know, seamlessly, uh, and, and is just an easy way to move people to uh, for your office workloads. Uh, so, you know, just, just grab it, have a play, uh, see what you can do, and help us help you. So it'd be great. Okay. Thanks a lot. I think that were, were nice closing comments <laughs> from you. Um, and, um, yeah. All my questions are answered, <laughs> at least the, the ones uh, I have uh, written down here. Yeah, thanks. If you have any more questions, don't hesitate to email me. I'm sure my email, you know, michael.meeks. I have a very difficult to spell name, to be fair. So, uh, you know, just come on to IRC and hash cool dev and ask them. And, you know, let's have a chat. That would be great. Uh, I don't know. Are you on Twitter or something like that, that the people also could? Yeah. So uh, I, I think you can either read the news or you can create it, you know, and I prefer to create it. So so when I I, I am on Twitter, uh, but I don't read the thing terribly okay. regularly. Okay, uh, so drop an I'm, email would be better. Yeah, drop an email. My my, my, my workflow is heavily email-based. You know, get, a, get a tag in the queue. So that'd be great. Okay, thanks, Michael, that you talked to us about Office products, uh, uh, LibreOffice Online, Uh, Collabora online, how this works, how you could deploy it, how it integrates with Nextcloud, all the stuff we talked it was really nice, really interesting. And uh, as you know, if there is a question, go to the IRC, drop Mikhail an email, and uh, let's see how Collabora online will evolve. Thank you very much. Thank you, Ingrid.